Well, good morning, church. I get to follow up all that excitement. I'm I'm all right. Here we go. Um, Yeah, if you haven't already, turn in your your Bibles to that passage that Peter just read in Galatians 2, uh, starting with verse 15. We've been going through this series now. This is week six um, through our series of Galatians. Um, as we've been kind of doing each week, I, I do want to just real quick give a little bit of a kind of summary to point because it's always important whether you've been here for all the f- five previous weeks or whether today is your first week. I want to make sure we're all kind of tracking it in line and kind of have in mind what it is, is the context of what we're looking at today, of what we're studying today. Um, so if you remember, Paul is the one who wrote this book of Galatians, and he's writing it to these churches in this region of Galatia, and he's basically trying to call them back to the one true gospel. Because he, what has happened is he went on this mission trip, and he witnessed, and he shared, shared the gospel of Christ. A lot of people's lives were changed. These churches got started that he kind of helped form. He goes back home. He's so excited as he's reporting all that happened. And a few months-ish later, he hears these reports that, oh, these people came in behind you and they totally destroyed everything that you've been building, Paul. They basically have gone in and convinced these people that your gospel wasn't all like that was needed. There's more. So when Paul writes this letter, he starts right away in chapter one saying, this is the gospel. And then he says, I'm astonished that you would walk away from this gospel. This is the one true gospel. There's no other gospel. In the end of chapter one, we talked about how he says, this is the one true gospel. And the reason why Paul knows it's the one true gospel is it didn't come from man, but it came from Jesus Christ himself. Paul received it through a revelation by Jesus. And then in chapter two, a couple weeks ago, Daniel talks about how, talked about how when Paul is at a point where he's meeting with the Jerusalem church and they're affirming that, no, yes, this is the one true gospel. This is what it is about. It's a gospel that we've all been kind of appointed and given to share. And they affirm Paul in that, that he was standing in righteousness and and presenting this gospel to the Galatian churches and to the people that he was reaching out to. And Paul is so firm in his standing in righteousness behind the gospel that last week we read, he's even willing to oppose Peter, who was one of the you know, first apostles of Christ, you know, the very first person on the day of Pentecost that's out there preaching the word. Paul is so firm in his righteousness and behind the gospel that he's willing to even oppose Peter when Peter steps out of line with what the gospel is really about. And it's all been kind of building towards this moment when we read this section and passage and what Paul kind of gets into here. Some of the commentaries talk about this section of, of the of the book is like basically kind of being almost like the thesis statement of what Galatians is about, kind of what Paul is kind of like really getting to the point. It's a pretty important passage, which some of you right now are thinking, then why is Daniel letting you preach it? (laughs) Um, But that's all right. I'm actually so excited about preaching this passage. Uh, One of the verses in this passage is probably, you know, one of my favorite verses out of, you know, in scripture. So I'm pretty excited to dive into this passage with you today. So if you have your Bibles open, we're going to start with question one. We've been going through these five questions that should be in your notes, if you have that under the sermon title. We've been going through these five questions every week. And we're going to start with question one saying, what does the text say? So we're just going to kind of like dive into this passage and just kind of look, what is this text saying to us? 
So verse 15, he says, we ourselves are Jews by, by birth and not Gentile sinners. I just want to clarify what Paul is saying here. He's saying we are Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners. Now, he's not saying that Jews were not sinners, right? What he's basically explaining is that we ourselves, meaning him, Peter, these other people, that he's the other, like Barnabas, these guys, they were born in Jew, as Jews, which means they were born under the law. They understood, you know, who God was. There was the one true, they had the faith in the one true God. They had this law from Moses that they followed, that they were trying to like, you know, obey so that they can be in line with what they thought righteousness was all about. They weren't like Gentiles, which is what a lot of the churches of Galatians were, which is people who were born outside of knowledge of the law meaning they were just born because they were born in their homes. They don't know what the law of Moses is, or if they do, they just think it's what these crazy Jewish people are, look, are following, all this other stuff. So he's like, we ourselves were Jews by law, and then, but it's really important to keep reading because it's one sentence. Verse 16 says, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by the law, works of the law, no one will be justified. Paul's essentially saying, look, to these Galatians, most of these who are Gentiles, he's like, we ourselves, the ones that were born under the law, the ones that were born with knowledge of the law, the ones that were, that were raised to follow the law, we ourselves, even us, have realized now that justification can't come through works of the law. It's not possible. Justification comes from faith in Christ. That's it. That's all. I want to make a, I feel like it's really important because we're going to be using this word a lot today as we, as we really dive into this passage to really just make sure we're all on the same page on what justification means, what it means. It's one of those theological terms we throw around a lot in church, and sometimes you might know what it means, or sometimes you just like pretend because you feel ashamed to, know, to admit that you don't know what it means. Uh, justification is basically the idea of being made right in right standing before God. If you, be, if you are justified, that means you are now standing in righteousness. You have now received that kind of status of being declared righteous in God's eyes. And what Paul is saying is that it is not possible to achieve that status through the works of the law. No matter how good of a job you think you're doing, no matter how hard you try and Paul was one who had tried really hard. You're always going to come up short. Justification is not possible through works of the law. But he says justification comes from faith in Christ. And it's kind of ironic that he's saying this because he's talking to a bunch of Gentiles who weren't born under the law. And he's saying, hey, even we don't believe in this, and yet you guys are letting yourselves be persuaded that somehow your justification isn't through Christ alone, but you also need to start following this law now. Like, that doesn't make sense. You guys are going backwards. And then he, says, then he goes into verse 17. 
He's like, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. I'll be honest with you, verse 17 is probably out of all this whole section, one of the oddest verses in there as far as like it's not, um, most of what Paul says is pretty straightforward in this passage. Verse 17 kind of comes a little bit like, wait, what's he saying? He says, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners in, is Christ then a servant of sin? Well, like, of course, Jesus isn't a servant of sin. Why is he even saying that? Like, why did, where did this even come from, Paul? And this is one of those things that you got to kind of understand, again, the context of who Paul is talking to and what he's saying and why he is making this point. One of the things that would have happened that Paul's found out about is that these so-called Jewish Christians came in behind him after he had left these, these Galatian region and basically started telling these people that, hey, it's great now that, you know, you, uh, you believe in Jesus. That's awesome. But, you know, Paul didn't tell you the full story. In order to really be saved, you have to start following the law. And one of the reasons why these Jewish Christians were probably so bent on making these people follow the law is because in their minds... Paul's gospel was dangerous. In their minds, the idea that salvation is through Christ alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, that idea is kind of dangerous because in their minds, they're like, well, Paul, if you're, if you're going to tell somebody that they're totally justified, then like, what purpose is there to, for them to even like, you know, start to try to live a good life? You know, all that's going to happen, Paul, is like, you're going to just preach this gospel and then people are going to like, you know, say they believe in Jesus and they're going to go right back to their sinful ways. They're going to go right back to their, you know, they're, they're living for themselves, they're Gentile living, they're sinful living, you know, it's, it's, it's not right. And so essentially what they're saying, then they would go further, they would take it a step further and say, Paul, your gospel in your gospel that you're trying to say, you're basically making Christ into a servant of sin. Because what you're going to do is you're just going to allow for people to continue to live in sin. And so Paul's kind of addressing that argument in this verse. He says, in our, if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. And when he means that, he's not just saying like, we too were found to sin once in a while by sinners. He means like we have too have been founded, like we have surrendered our lives into sin again. He says, is Christ the servant of sin? He says, well, certainly not. And then he says in verse 18, his follow-up to that, he says, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. Paul's emphasis here is that if someone, you know, who says, oh yeah, I have faith in Christ, then turns back and continues to live the same selfish life the same sinful life, or the same um, type of life, even, even to the extent of the same life of what Paul was doing, which is trying to justify yourself by doing all these good things. You're trying to make it all about you and your works and, or your goals, your passions, whatever it is. If you've rebuilt that, you're not proving Christ to be the one in the wrong. You're proving yourself to be the one in the wrong. And the idea of proving myself to be a transgressor is kind of even saying like, you're proving that your faith wasn't even that genuine to begin with. 
You're the one still in wrong standing. It's not Jesus' fault. It's your fault. It's on you. Paul makes it clear that going backwards to sin, whether it be living by the law or living in known sin, a person themselves are the guilty ones. And then in verse 19, he says this. He says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Remember we said Paul, when he was living, pursuing the law, he was pretty hardcore. We know that Paul was pretty zealous. He was pretty zealous about living, following all the Jewish traditions, trying to be as perfect as he could be. In fact, he was so like, focused on the law being the only answer that when the church first started coming into being, when people started preaching Jesus, he opposed it to the point where he was trying to persecute them and kill Christians. He was that focused on thinking that this is the path towards righteousness. This is what it means to be justified, is to just do the works of the law, follow the law to the T as much as I can. And what Paul says is, for through the law, I died to the law. It means there was that moment when Paul gets blinded by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. I was reading a commentary that says it's like, it, it kind of comes out here that it's, you wonder if Paul just didn't in his moments when he, he, he was blind for three days, having encountered Jesus, having heard Jesus' voice, having heard from Jesus himself, seen him alive in the flesh. If Paul in that moment didn't realize just where following the law had led him to be, he was still standing in condemnation. He was still standing all that he, the, where, the direction that he was going was towards death, towards separation from God. And he says, so essentially, so I died to the law, meaning I had to just give all of it up so that I could live to God. And then we get to verse 20. And I told you guys, one of these verses is like one of my favorite verses. We were there. And it's honestly like a pretty famous verse. If you, you might have heard sermons about just based off of Galatians 2.20. It's pretty powerful in its theology. But today as we're reading it, I'm going to emphasize that it's really important that we keep it in context of its passage because there is dangers when you just take a verse and just kind of pull it out to the side and just treat it like it's all, all, that's all there is. This is this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when we're just asking the question, what does this text say? Paul is essentially saying, faith in Christ results in new life. The old self, old desires, all die. That's why he says, I've been crucified with Christ. In other words, my old life is done. I'm over that. But we now live in faith. And living in faith means you're living in step with the Holy Spirit. You are now following Jesus. Your eyes are focused on him. You're letting him live through you. And who is this one that you're letting live through you? He is the one who loved us and gave himself for us. It's very personal for Paul. I mean, 
He said, the, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I think it's really interesting that when Paul is writing this, he's, putting, he's not saying, who, he's not talking in just a theological standpoint of us. This verse, what I love about this verse is Paul is making this very personal. This is a personal thing for him. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul's letting us see a glimpse of just how personal this is for him, that Jesus changed everything for him. He gave him a new life. And then he wraps it up in verse 21. I did not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. In other words, Paul kind of uses a little bit of a logical argument here. Um, basically saying, why would I go back to trying to accomplish righteousness through the law? That would just nullify the grace of God. It would just make it so that you're basically saying Jesus died for nothing. If righteousness can be done, can be accomplished through following the law, then what in the world did Jesus have to die for? If this is how we can accomplish righteousness and justification is just by following all the rules, then why would Jesus have to die? For Paul, it's like, it doesn't make sense to him. And he's basically making that point, like, why would I nullify the grace of God by going back and trying to accomplish my own justification by living for the law, by following the law? So that's kind of what the text is saying. And that leads this question too, what does this text mean? And like I said, it's very important that we look at the, entire, the entirety of the passage. We look at the context of the passage. I think when we take out one verse, even my favorite verse, verse 20, and we kind of separate it from the rest, it can make you lose kind of the point of the passage to some extent. We can naturally make it into it's a, um, almost like it's a uh, rebuke about the way you're living. You know, verse 20, I love verse 20. But if you just take verse 20 by itself and you didn't know what Paul was talking about, and you just read, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. If you just read that by itself, you can almost kind of hear it in terms of a tone of where like, he's like almost trying to shame you, trying to make you feel bad about where you're at in your life. Like, look at you. You're not living in Christ. You're not, you're not letting Christ live through you. And you can almost feel like this is like one of those, one of those verses that is just meant to like make you feel just like kind of like almost like solemn and very serious. And it's not that I don't think Paul is serious, but I think in, with Paul when he's reading this, when he's talking about this passage, when we read this passage in the context of how he's saying it, I think Paul in his passion there's some anger in this letter, but we also see him just like, we see why he's so pumped right here. Because for him, the gospel of Jesus changed everything. 
Paul is making it clear that the gospel of Jesus Christ changes everything. All that trying to live by the law does is prove our sinfulness. We needed Jesus to be our sacrifice in order to be our justification. In order that we could be justified, we needed Jesus. And for Paul, that changes everything. Changes everything about his life changes everything about his purpose, changes everything about what his life is meant to be. The fact that Jesus died and he has now declared righteousness through faith in Jesus, that changes everything. His whole life was about trying as hard as he could, as he could, as he could, so that one day he could hope to be righteous in God's standing. But now he realizes that the truth is that I believe in Jesus Christ and now because of what Jesus did for me, I'm already righteous. In his eye, in God's eyes, now things are different. We don't go backwards, is what he's basically saying. We don't go backwards to living by the law to try to prove to ourselves about how good we are. He says, We live by faith in Jesus Christ. We live by faith in Jesus Christ. We focus our eyes on Jesus and we let him. Now, redefine what our life is about because he has made us righteous. We now have that as our standing and it can change everything for us. And then as we dive into question three of how do we naturally resist it, I'll be honest with you guys, as I was Studying through this passage, and I was, I was, I was heading to question three. I, I did, I felt some heaviness as I was thinking about how do we naturally resist it. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do my best to just kind of communicate some of the, the um, as I was studying the passage, I was looking at it and just like looking at, looking at the Christian church today, just to kind of communicate what my fear is about the ways that we naturally resist this passage and what this means and the fact that the gospel of Jesus changes everything. What I came to realize is that I believe there are many people in the church today that are still looking to be justified in our own ways and in our own accomplishments. It is so easy for us to read this passage. You guys have heard us now talk about the background of the Galatian churches. I'd be like, man, those guys were dumb. Like, seriously, though, they really thought, they really let themselves believe that in order to be saved, you had to follow the Old Testament law to the T. They really thought that in order to be saved, like, it wasn't just Jesus, but it was Jesus and, and uh, like, you know, like actually letting, like for these grown men to be circumcised so that they could follow this law to the T and like do all this, you know, ceremonial washings and all this stuff. Like they really bought into that. Like, come on. Like how gullible do you have to be? It's really easy for us to have that kind of attitude. But then I asked myself kind of a question as I was thinking about this and I was thinking about all the, I've been, you know, I've been a part of several different churches in my time, in my short life. Um, (laughs) I like, it's, it's not getting so short anymore, um, but, um, and, I, and I've encountered a lot of awesome people, a lot of, you know, Christians, a lot of people who say they're Christian, and, but I ask myself, like, but, so, 
sure, we don't, we don't claim that salvation comes from that, but what, what have we defined salvation as in the church today? What have we defined salvation in the church today? And honestly, I, I come to think that I think most Christians have defined salvation as being to say, I'm a Christian, and to avoid all the bad stuff. That's what we've made salvation into. Is to say I'm a Christian and just don't do any of those bad stuff. You know, like we don't get drunk, you know, we, we try, we don't, we, we hopefully avoid like sex outside of marriage, you know, we avoid, uh, you name it, like whether it's, you know, alcoholism, drugs, whether it's, you know, you know, the bad stuff. You know, we try not to, you know, swear too much. And, that, and that's honestly where we've made our salvation into is basically saying I'm a Christian and just not doing any of the bad stuff so that we kind of look a little bit better. That's what our faith is all about. And I read a passage like this and I, and I, and I hear what Paul's saying and I feel Paul's passion in it and what he's saying and, and I'm like... I don't think that's what salvation looks like. You know? Like, I don't think for Paul that's what it looked like. For Paul, faith in Jesus changed everything. Faith in the gospel, the knowing the gospel, what the gospel is truly about, changed everything about his life. Receiving the Holy Spirit and now having Jesus live inside him changed everything about his life. I worry that we kind of treat holy living as a task and a chore that we have to accomplish. We, we treat it like it's like this massive job that we have to do that like try to like, you know, please Daniel or please, you know, the, the leaders of the church or the different other people that might be like, you know, telling us like preaching to us all the time and different things like that. So we, we treat it as like a checklist of different things we can accomplish. Okay, I'll be at church every Sunday. Okay, I'll be part of a GC. Okay, like, you know, I'll, 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 you know, know a little bit about the Bible. You know, I'll say, I won't do any of the bad stuff that you don't want me to do. And what happens is we, we end up coming up with our own methods. We rely on our own strengths. We, when we do have struggles, we'll try to figure out ways to, like, all right, like, let me set up my own system for why I'm not going to do that anymore and how I'm going to avoid those things. And it just comes down to us trying to justify ourselves, trying to accomplish things ourselves, trying to make ourselves feel better about our lives and, our, and who we think we are and how good we think we are. And as I was I'm kind of like hit with that reality, like, and I think I'm like, you know, how do, how do we come out of it? How is, go to question four, how is Jesus the hero? How did he accomplish the thing we naturally, it, it comes back, that this is, it's kind of funny because for Paul, this is like his entire point of this passage. For Paul, this is like the entire point of saying like the gospel of Jesus changed everything because Jesus, Jesus's life, his death, his resurrection changed everything. Okay? Jesus came to this earth, fully man, fully God, 
lived that perfect life that we were incapable of. And then the beautiful thing about the gospel, the thing that beautiful part that changes everything for Paul is that it's not like Jesus just stood there and says, was that so hard? Really? You know, modern times, little mic drop. Thank you. That was all you needed to do. No. Instead, we have a savior. We have a God. We have Jesus who looks at us, has compassion for us. And even though he was able to accomplish what we can't, and didn't deserve the death that we deserve, he chooses to die for us, to take that sacrifice, to make, take that punishment. And then his resurrection proves and shows that death has now been defeated. That now, through faith in him, we now have this gift of salvation. We have this ability to become justified through our faith in him alone. And it's this beautiful thing and this awesome thing that for Paul changed everything. And for us, it should change everything. And Jesus even went a step further. He, just, he didn't even just like leave it at that as being like, all right, I just did all this for you guys. Like, get it. He goes a step further and he sends the Holy Spirit to make it possible that we could live in faith. So we could let the Holy Spirit live through us and live out a new life that has been changed by the gospel. And I really want to emphasize that part. The Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to live in faith, which is to let the Holy Spirit live through us and live out a new life that has been changed by the gospel. The Holy Spirit hasn't been sent to you so that you could just keep your nose clean. And that's a lot of times how we treat it, though. Like the Holy Spirit is just like a little extra conscious in us. Okay? Holy Spirit is not a Jiminy Cricket. All right? Holy Spirit is a lion. The God, like our God is a lion inside of us looking to act, looking to do things, looking to make changes. How does that empower me to obey what it says and mean? The Holy Spirit inside of us empowers us in a way that is supernatural. Do we, like, do we really understand that? Because for me, myself, I'm really afraid that my life way, looks way too natural. Like I am literally always trying to just accomplish things on my own all the time. Where I have the Holy Spirit in me that's willing to accomplish things that I couldn't even dream. The reality of the gospel needs to take root in our hearts. How it empowers us to obey and how Jesus, what he did, empowers us to obey is just in the realization of how beautiful and amazing the gospel is. When we let that take root of our hearts, take root in our hearts, it will result in a total change. But we got to stop treating the gospel as if it's just this little thing that we say, yeah, I believe. It's not just about, you know, saying I believe and I'll follow some of the rules so that way I can be justified. That's you trying to justify yourself.
beauty of the gospel is that our justification can come through Christ alone, by grace alone, by faith alone. And that word faith, I hope you guys realize just how powerful it is and how awesome it is that Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit so that we can continue to be strengthened in our faith. So that we can continue to be strengthened by this idea that Jesus changes everything, that our lives have now been changed. So we can continue to try and surrender the things that we would want to make our lives to be about. And we can continue to focus and say, man, if Jesus, with Jesus having done all that he's done for me, my life should now be about the things of him, the things he is about. I really want to encourage you guys today as we wrap this up and just really um, this week, I, I, I kind of, I was thinking about it, like we read a lot of, you know, in Paul's letters, in almost all of his letters, at different points, you just hear the gospel message coming out all the time. And I got to think that, you know, I mean, obviously I didn't know him. But I got to believe that for Paul, thinking about the gospel of Christ, thinking about what Jesus had done for him, was a pretty regular thing. And it's in that, dwelling on the gospel, that I believe that we'll find that our lives are able to be changed way easier than the ways that we try to personally change them. So I really want to encourage you guys this week Spend time, multiple times, every day, just thinking about what it is that Jesus has done for you, what he's accomplished for you, what that means now for you, and let that change you. And pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to change you and continue to show you ways in which you need to live out and step out in faith. Step out and live out in faith here in Des Moines, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, Step out in faith outside of Des Moines to Uganda. I'm so excited about the opportunities we have with that. Let Jesus and the reality of the gospel change everything for you. Let's pray.